Metal Mike here, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to the main man from Striper, the legend, Michael Sweet. I try to pry as much as I can about that new Striper album. We also talk his recent solo album, 10, and some classic albums like Soldiers Under Command that just had a birthday recently. Check it out, people! Michael, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, sir? I am doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Well, hey, big news all over the internet. A lot of chatter. New Striper album is on the way. Can you give us anything, Michael? What can you tell us? Well, unfortunately, I, I can talk about it, but I can't give you any info on, like, titles and things like that just because, you know, we're trying hard to, uh, you know, not uh, make it, not give away too much so we you lose that excitement, you know, the mystery of, of a release, which I think happens far too often these days. But uh, it's a great album. There's 11 tracks on it. Um, it's, you know, I get poked fun at for saying it's our best album. I say that with every album, <laughs> but I really believe that with every album. I think that we keep getting better and uh, as we go. And each album, I think, really, literally gets better. Uh, and we we were honing in and perfecting our craft and, and getting better at what we do. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited about this one. This is a really exceptionally great album. It's got a really great feel to it. We have a new uh, uh, bandmate on the album, Perry Richardson. He's brought a lot to the table in terms of the groove and the foundation and uh, with his bass playing and also with his vocal harmonies. And I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Well, man, that sounds great. Well, I guess we'll all just have to be patient. I'm sure it's uh, it's all going to get out there eventually. When do you plan on putting it out, Mike? Well, from what I understand, the album's going to come out in September. Okay. Uh, that It was originally going to be released in October, and they moved it uh, back earlier to September, which is great. And... Um, from what I understand, I think the first song for the album, we're going to release uh, a song uh, sometime in June. Okay. Uh, and, and then, you know, we're going to, believe it or not, we're planning on doing a music video, unless something happens that we don't know of or that's out of our control, we're not aware of. Uh, we're planning on doing a music video, and, you know, it's going to be really cool, man. I can't wait for people to hear it uh, and, and see the reaction. Uh it's a great one. It's it's going to be fun to get out and play these songs live uh, when we can uh, and are able to do that. Awesome. Well, some of the listeners out there, they may have been living under a rock and not know this, but you put out a killer solo album last year called 10. What do you want to tell everybody about that one? Well, you know, because it's a solo album, uh, it doesn't get the attention, uh, you know, that a Striper album gets. And I, you know, I understand that to a degree. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of bands. Uh, you know, when Kiss uh, released their their albums back in the day as a band, you know, obviously there was more excitement around that versus all their individual solo albums, or you know, that goes for any band. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the sad part about that is sometimes solo albums really hold their own against the uh, the band albums. And I think that's the case with especially my last two solo albums, uh, One Sided War and then Ten. They're really great albums, man. Um, people, the people out there that won't really 
give them a fair shake, uh, it's unfortunate because they're missing out on, on on two really exceptionally great albums. Some great musicianship, great players, really cool songs, uh, a lot of energy, and they hold their own for sure. Yeah, man, I, I've been loving it. I've, I've really liked that you brought in some different, heavier stylings, but then I still hear that vintage Michael Sweet, you know, striper vibe on there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, and I have a little different vibe. You know, there's a lot of similarities to the striper thing when I do my solo albums because I try. I always try to explain that without sounding like a douchebag. But um, <laughs> it, the, the reason for that is because I write most of the stuff for striper, uh, and and I have from the very beginning, from the Yellow and Black Attack on every every single album, and uh, also produce the albums, the striper albums. So you know, there's gonna be some similarities when I go and do a solo album, unless I were to do something completely different, like a jazz album or mm-hmm. uh, a polka album or something like that, then it, it might sound completely different. But if I'm doing rock slash metal, there's got to be similarities. Yeah, definitely. Like, So are there, are there things that you feel like, especially with that solo album that you couldn't have done in Striper? Are there elements that you just feel wouldn't fit? Not really. I mean, I always try to branch out a little bit when I do solo stuff. Uh, I do feel a little uh, more free to, um, to experiment uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit more. So like with Striper, I always feel a a little bit more of that feeling of, uh, I have to stick to the pattern, you know, because the fans expect this and they expect that. And we kind of need to stay true to that form with the solo stuff. I feel a little bit more freedom to experiment a little bit more. Uh, on the last two solo albums though, I really stayed a little bit more on path. I didn't venture too far away from, uh, one particular style, you know, uh, solo albums of the past, like truth, for example, kind of all over the map musically. You've got like a symphonic, uh, orchestrated piece. And then you've got a, uh, a song like Save Me that's just Metallica metal. Um, with the last two, I didn't do that. Everything's just straight up hard rock metal, high energy. Um, and, you know, it was really cool bringing in different musicians. I brought in different guitar players uh, to bring something new to the table with each song. That was really fun. Uh, and I really tried to step it up a notch. You know, the musicianship on the last two solo albums is just, ridiculous you know some of these guys that are playing playing uh the solos and you know will hunt drumming on it and john o'boyle on bass and then all these other players guest players it's just phenomenal so you've done a lot of striper albums in recent years solo albums you've been doing a lot of projects are you like in a super creative mode right now in your life i am i have been i feel like i have been my whole life i mean i i when I was really young, I started writing songs. They didn't make a lot of sense. And, uh, they weren't necessarily the best of songs, but, you know, I started writing when I was really young, you know, rocking back and forth in a chair, making up lyrics. And then and once I started learning how to play guitar at the age of five, I started like work, write my own songs at that age. Um, and, you know, I've been writing ever since. I mean, it, there's always a song in my head and in my, in my heart. I don't think that's ever going to go away. It's just how I'm built. Uh, I have been a little more creative the past 10 years uh, on a mission to just do as much as I can. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of opportunities that come my way, and I like to I like to accept and take those opportunities. 
Um, but yet I don't want to take on so much that I oversaturate everything and, uh, you know, limit myself as an artist and just become repetitive and going through the motions. I always want there to be some sort of passion and fire underlining the album that I'm doing. So yesterday, big anniversary, Soldiers Under Command, and, and I think you yes. uh, said that it was your favorite classic Striper album. What are some of your thoughts looking back on that one? Yeah, that's a great one, man. I mean, uh, that was an album that we had been playing out live for a good year plus prior to recording it, before we went in the studio and recorded it. So when we went in to record it, we knew what we were doing. We had everything worked out, every part, every note, every line. And uh, there were a few lyrics that were, got written in the studio, but for the most part, we knew what we were doing. And that's not how most albums are recorded. Most albums, you write the songs, then you rehearse them in pre-production, then you go record them, and you really don't know what you're doing, uh, and you figure it out as you go along. That album was really worked out ahead of time, and we went in and did it really quickly. I attracted in under two weeks. Uh, and then we wound up going right from recording to Japan for the first time and performing. It was just a really special time, you know, very exciting and a lot of new things uh, in ground being broken for the band, things that we had never done before. I think the thing that blows me away when I go back and revisit that album is the, like the songwriting and the melodies. I mean, you guys were still a pretty young band, but I mean, you're writing really great song especially something like first love that's pretty mature songwriting at that point in my opinion well you know i i think that might uh play into the fact that as a writer uh, myself i i wrote most of that most of that album uh, there were a couple songs that were co-writes like soldiers i wrote the music too and, and rob wrote the lyrics uh, but most of the songs I wrote on that album, First Love's one of those that you're, you're referring to. And, you know, I I started writing at a really young age. My dad and my mom, uh, they're musicians, they're writers. So writing was in my blood, not just performing, but writing as well. And I learned how to write at a very young age. So as a kid, I was writing songs. Uh, you know, a lot of those songs from Soldiers were written, you know, when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then you go back prior to that, Yellow and Black Attack, you know, some of those songs on that album, like Loud and Clear and Loving You, those were written when I was 16 years old. You know, so I started writing at a really young age. And um, I also listened to bands like Judas Priest. I listened to bands like Journey. I listened to bands like... Um, Iron Maiden and Van Halen, and then I listened to bands like Survivor and uh, Loverboy. You know, I listened to a lot of different types of rock. It was always rock-based, but I always listened to every every side of rock. You know, it wasn't just metal. Um, and, you know, by listening to bands like Journey and Survivor, I was able to, and Sticks, you know, I was able to write songs like First Love, together as one, honestly, uh, you know, um, and, and on and on and on. And, you know, I love that side of my songwriting as, as much as I do the, the heavy side. Now, I got into music about 1986, and, of course, the album that was out then was uh, To Hell With The Devil. 
And I love that one. And I love in God we trust. And one thing, and maybe you've been asked this before, and I apologize, but one thing that always goes in my mind that these albums seem very uh, similar, very structured similar. The first track is yeah. the title track. The second track is like the first single. The fourth track's the ballad. And was that conscious? How did that come about? It was. I mean, you know, it was somewhat due to just wanting to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then also, uh, there was some pressure from the label okay. yeah. to do a, re do a repeat of To Hell With The Devil because it was so successful. You know, uh, it, it was just like hugely successful. And because of that, the label was like, okay, well, we got to repeat that. Let's, let's do our best to repeat that. So with that in our subconscious, you know, me as, as a writer, and whatnot, I was kind of thinking that way, like, okay, we got to make it similar. So that's why the song structures are similar. That's why the sequence is similar. That's why there's so much about those albums that are very similar yet. They're very different in, yes. in the production sense. In God We Trust is much more polished, yep. uh, much more perfected. And, uh, you know, we took a lot longer doing it, a lot more overdubs doing it. It bigger and better was the mentality. You don't necessarily get that, though, with the end result. I think To Hell With The Devil is a little more raw sounding, and I prefer that, mm -hmm. uh, the production of that versus the production of God We Trust, personally speaking. Now, Against the Law, I know that's not one of your favorite albums, but there's something that always, in my mind, I always wanted to ask you about. And the last three tracks, In the Middle, uh, All for One, and Rock the Hell Out of You, sound more like traditional Striper. They almost actually don't even fit with the songs prior to them, in my opinion. So were they written first, or were they put on to appease fans of the classic sound? No, they weren't, but they, were, they weren't added... Uh, I was a firm believer, and that's an album, it, it's hard to explain, but that's an album that we went in with the mentality of, okay, let's do this all together. Okay? And, um, you know, the other albums prior to that weren't done that way. It was more of, you know, I, I was writing all the songs and then teaching it to the guys. Against the Law was more with the mentality of, all right, let's, let's work on some of these songs together. Uh, and, you know, it it worked in some cases and other cases it didn't work. So there were some songs that we had that just weren't quite up to par. And I wound up writing some of the other songs that we didn't have yet until the end of that lady was one of those all for one was another one. Uh, and it, those songs in particular had a little bit more of the striper, especially all for one, yeah. more of the striper classic sound, which I felt at the time, I hadn't voiced my opinion about it, but I felt like we were straying too far from that. The, the album really started taking on uh, more of a, for a lack of a better way of putting it, more of like a Van Halen vibe. Yes. Yeah. Versus a versus a striper vibe, and, and and the thing is, love it or hate it, striper striper has a very unique sound, and guitar tone, uh, songwriting style, uh, production, vocal harmonies, everything, very unique sound, and we tried to throw all that out the window with that album, and not only with the sound but with the looks too. Yep. you know, we decided we wanted to lose the yellow and black. And we decided we wanted to grow some beard stuff and we wanted to scowl a little bit more and not be the striper that we were. And we wanted to be something new. And 
it just didn't work in my opinion yeah there's some great songs obviously tom warman's a great producer sonically the album sounds fantastic oh definitely yeah you know i mean nobody can deny that i'm not going to sit here and be an idiot and deny that but it's my least favorite striper album because it's not striper yeah no i totally understand yeah and that that that's why. I mean, you know, if Van Halen had, had, had made that album, I probably would have, would have said, "What a great Van Halen album!" <laughs> yeah. Yep. But we're not we're not Van Halen, you know, and uh, we're Striper, and and that's why that album annoys me so much. It's like, what were we thinking? Why did we let that happen? It, it's one of my biggest regrets. If I could go back in time, I would have said, "No, let's write more songs like I like All for One." Yeah. And like two bodies, one mind, one soul, and like lady, and and get get further away from songs like uh, you're not that kind of guy, which by the way was originally called not your huggy guy, <laughs> which I thought was the stupidest title I ever heard in my life. So it got changed to not that kind of guy. You know, we're not Van Halen. Well, you know what though, for fans, those little nuggets kind of you know, make it interesting. Somebody's catalog. It's like Kiss the Elder, Kiss Dynasty. I mean, these are albums that people are like, eh, it's not really Kiss, but the fans eat it up. It's something that they can enjoy that's a little different, I guess. Absolutely. No no doubt about it. And, you know, I personally think that album, if Tom Worman hadn't produced it, and really Eddie Delana, Eddie was the man, that, the engineer that made it sound so so amazing. And if we had just used another producer that wasn't as good and it didn't sonically sound as good, I think that most fans would agree that that's our uh, album that is just, that's the least up to par album. Uh, if the sonic Val quality wasn't as good as it is. That's my opinion. Time, you know, we'll never know that because we can't go back in a time machine to, right. to find that out. And I will go as far as to say that some of our new albums if they were released back then, uh, during that 80s period, uh, it would have outsold even to Hell with the Devil. Yeah, it could. It could. One thing um, I just want to bring up, this will be the last point, is um, I remember an old magazine cover. I want to say it was Heaven versus Hell. And it was uh, your brother with the swords, and it was Blackie Lawless. And if somebody would have told you back in the '80s that that Blackie would, you know, would become a born again Christian, would you have believed that at that point? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I'm one of those guys that believes that anybody can, you know, uh, become a Christian. Sure. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can be the worst person on the planet Earth, and and uh, still have a have a change of heart and commit your life to Christ, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I still would have been surprised by it, but <laughs> yeah, I, would right. totally, I would have totally believed it, you know. Yeah, so now you guys are on the same side, you know what I mean? So it wouldn't, wouldn't be versus each other now, so that's great. Yeah, it, it really is, and it, it, it's interesting, because a lot of these guys, I'm not saying Blackie Lawless, uh, you know, is one of these guys, but a lot of these guys who used to mock us and laugh at us for, for being the band that we were, taking a stand for Christ, who are now Christians, you know, they, they view us differently. Yeah. Uh, because they get it now. It's like, okay, we, we understand. And, you know, time has a way of changing people and changing hearts and changing many things, many views. 
Well, I think too, I mean, I wasn't in the rock scene back in the day, but I think people you know, maybe went down paths that they regret, um, couldn't find what they were looking for. And then ultimately, you know, they found the Lord. And I, I think that's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. You know, but we were, we were just a band. We, we still kind of are. We were the, the band that everyone threw darts at, right. you know? Yeah. It, we've got a lot of fans and a lot of closet fans out there, people that may not ever admit that they're a Striper fan who are. Uh, but because of our approach, our message, our look, uh, we were the band that got many darts, more darts than any other band, probably, even more than Twisted Sister. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, we got many darts thrown at us, and uh, it, it's just the way it is. Uh, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is it's so funny because I, I hear all these comments and read many comments about, oh, yeah, man, I could never get into those guys because... You know, I like the sound, but I just couldn't stomach the look. And you go back and you you look at every other band from that era, and everybody looked goofy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The same. I mean, you, you, you name one band that didn't. I just saw a picture. Someone sent me a picture of Motley Crue, and, it, it, well, you know, it, it, during that era, that time period, it was a really goofy picture, you know, in terms of what they were wearing, their clothes and whatnot. It, it, you know, Guns N' Roses, they went through their glam period, Bon Jovi, Whitesnake. I mean, I don't care who it was. Everybody had, I don't want to, maybe Goopy's the wrong word, but everybody had a period where it was a little over the top, and you'd look at them and go, whoa, you know? And so we weren't the only ones, but we seemed to be the band that got the most darts thrown just because, I think, of what we stood for. Yeah. Well, I feel now, and maybe you could comment on this, but I feel like you're more embraced by the rock and metal community than you were back then. I feel like it's, I don't know, is that correct or I don't know? You know, I I think so. I don't know. I, I still see people, you know, slamming us and, you know, we'll go out and perform and, and there's one guy in the audience just standing there through the whole show flipping us off. <laughs> That's too you know, and it's like, it, and I get maybe other bands get that too. I don't know. It seems to me like we get a little bit more of it, uh, and you know, it's it's par for the course. We're used to it. We, you know, we don't let it get us down and bring us down in terms of depression. And oh man, yeah, well maybe we should hang it up. It it almost fuels fuels our fire, and it it puts fuel in the in the gas tank and ignites us to want to do more and do it better and bigger. Uh, it's really odd. So, you know, to all the haters out there, I guess keep it coming, you know, because <laughs> we're just not going to stop. We're we're going to keep going. We're going to keep making music. And I feel our best album has not been recorded yet. And our best show has not been performed yet. You're going to keep the fire burning is what you're saying. We're going to keep the fire burning, man. And there's a lot, lot left in us. Unless, you know, obviously uh, the Lord takes us home. And, right. Uh, there comes a day when we can't do it anymore, obviously, but as, as long as we can, we're going to keep striving for, uh, bigger, better, uh, perfect perfection. We're going to keep, we're going to keep working towards doing our best. Well, what do you want to say to everybody in closing, Michael? Well, uh, just, you know, we're, we're grateful for, uh, all the support that we always get from everyone. 
and we we wouldn't be here without you guys and we can't wait for everybody to hear the new album it's exciting times even though it's it, it's the darkest uh day in our history it seems at least in our lifetimes uh you know with what's going on around us uh, it, it's very exciting times in the striper camp because we've got a new album coming out and it's an album that was made during the darkest of times and I think because of that, it's, it makes it a little bit more special. There's something to this album. There's a really incredible message, so powerful and so inspiring that when people hear it and hear the music and feel the music, I think they're going to say, wow, boy, did I need that. Well, man, thanks so much for the conversation and all the great music over the years, and best of luck with the new album. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. God bless you. All the best to you. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you soon, man. Yep. God bless. Take care. That was a great interview with Michael. What an awesome guy. Well, now it's time to harass you about some stuff. First, a lot of people have fallen on tough times, and one way to help is to be a hunger destroyer. Give to your local food bank or donate to Feeding America online. And on a less important note, become a subscriber. Click the button. Lots of super cool interviews on the way. Rock on.